Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors annual sales event now on. One-off price reductions and special APR finance available during this event. Call in today and save thousands at Blackstone Motors, Drada and Dundalk. You're very welcome to Friday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Well, packed for the next couple of hours, so let's get straight to it. You might think she's moved in with me at this stage. Wouldn't that be a dream come true? Yes, she's back on Late Lunch, and I'm delighted to welcome her back. Miss Ireland, Chelsea Farrell, it's really good to see you again. Oh, thank you. Thank you for joining us. But today is a slightly different conversation, yes, yeah. you know this, that you and I are going to have. Because during the week, uh, you're, you're a great woman on Instagram, so you <laughs> oh, have to be. You. you have to be. Yeah, and I have to be. I have no choice. I, I, you know, I went in the other evening and I was just, you were going somewhere and I just liked it and that. And then I just saw you starting to have a conversation with all yeah. your Instagram followers. And can I say, Chelsea, I just was stopped in my tracks. And I listen from start to finish. And let me tell listeners what we're talking about. Chelsea Farrell is Miss Ireland. But about a year ago, she encountered a very, very difficult situation in your life. Take us back there. You were working where? In the butter crane? Yes, I was working with customised gifts in the butter crane. So I worked with her for years in the marshes and she needed some help in her stall in Yuri. So I was working with her for a few weeks in the butter crane shopping centre. And no worries, people, customers in and out, enjoying it there, no problem. No, no problems ever until obviously this situation. What happened? What changed or what did you start to notice? So I was working on my own most of the time because my boss was doing stock takes and she was running a few different businesses all at once. So on one particular day, I noticed this man... He kind of loitered around the stall for a few hours, but at first you don't think anything about it. I just thought maybe he's a local or he would just wanders in and out or whatever. So thought not novice. But over the course of about a week, I noticed he was always there and he was always standing at a distance and he'd stand for hours on end just fixated on me and just staring. And I knew that wasn't normal behaviour, but I didn't think too much into it until then about two weeks of that happened. And then he started approaching the stall where I was working. And at first he'd just stand there, wouldn't say anything, he wouldn't speak, he'd just stand looking at me. And obviously when anyone does that, it makes you feel uncomfortable because you're kind of going, what, what's he doing? Like, why is he just standing there looking? So then he started saying things to me that just didn't add up and they made me kind of say, do you know what, there's something strange happening here. So I was very alert that this man is dangerous and this man is strange. So then I was in work one day again and he stood behind my stall And he was, again, the same as he was doing for about three weeks, just staring, fixated, no words, no nothing. And I got a lady who 
thank God, like she was there because she went and got security for me because I felt so uncomfortable. And I knew, right, I need to nip this in the bud now. So the lady went and got security for me and they put him out of the centre and told him, you know, if you're not going to purchase anything, you need to move on. You need to leave this girl alone. So that happened probably two or three times. And every time he was put out, he came back in. And he never said anything to you? He said a few things, yeah, over the like the weeks that he was doing it. He'd say, I'm obviously not going to go into what he said, but he did say things that I just knew wasn't something that an inappropriate, person would say. Very, yeah, not inappropriate nice. and kind of creepy. So what I age knew. of a, a man do you put him? He'd be in his late 20s and okay. he was only living in the country two weeks. He wasn't an Irish citizen, obviously. So he wasn't known to me at all. I did not know this man, never met him before. He never crossed paths with me didn't even know his name and I just noticed him on this day and I noticed him over the three weeks watching me and it was just so uncomfortable and something that I never imagined that you'd have to go through but I was alert to it and I knew to be careful because this man was strange and he was acting out of sorts completely. Mm. So he's removed and he's removed several times and he's warned. What happens then? This escalates. Yes, it escalated completely to a situation that I would have never ever imagined happened. Obviously because I'm living down here I'm not from there so in my head I was going yes he's strange yes he's dangerous but I don't live here I'm fine Mm. so then on this day I got the same bus up and the same bus home every day so I was in routine I got up at nine and I came home in the five o'clock bus and on this day I got on the bus I usually got on and watched around me so I had been told you know just be careful when you're going out the security were walking me out to my bus and then I'd get on the bus have a look and then sit down. But on this day, I was in a tizzy. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, I had loads of bags with me. I was just, it was Christmas week. Like, it was crazy. No, it wasn't Christmas week. Oh, God. <laughs> Whatever week it was, it was yes. busy. And um, then I just sat down on the seat. So I was texting on my phone, whatever was an alert. And I was sitting on the front, up the front of the bus. So I got off at the bus station in Dundalk. And I usually get the next bus home to RD or I'd get a lift home, depending on what day it was. And it was a Thursday evening. And when I walked over to the wall, I turned around and this man was standing in front of me. Was he on the bus with you? He had got on the bus at the stop before me. Obviously, he had noticed, he was watching me for the few weeks and he'd noticed that I was getting the same bus up and the same bus home. So he got on at the stop before the butter crane. And because I didn't actually look, he was obviously down the back of the bus and he was there the whole journey. So he followed me home on the bus to Dundalk. And there he was in Dundalk bus station where you were waiting for a bus transfer. Yes, he was literally like... I could feel him breathing on me like he was in my face and he, I was standing against the wall and he was just towering over me. And at first I was going, oh, I'm seeing things like this man isn't the man I think it is. And he just looked at me and he like he was just looking through me and he said, um, you're the girl from the buttercrane. In other words, letting me know, like, I know who you are and I followed you here. And that moment was honestly the scariest moment that I've ever experienced. And I hope to God no one ever has to go through it because... I was kind of going, hold on, now he knows where I am. He obviously knew that I lived here. He travelled home. He was on that bus the whole journey home, sitting behind me, watching me. And that alone is uncomfortable in itself because you don't want to ever think that someone's on a bus watching you and someone's on a bus that whole journey thinking, when I get off now, I'm going to approach this girl. Like, whatever was going through his head on that journey alone would just freak you out. So that's how that bit happened so what, what happened then you were waiting for the for, for, for the connection bus were there lots of people around what no, did you do there actually wasn't it was the way it worked my bus was the last bus that left the bus station to RD but the Nuri bus that I'd come in was the last bus to come in so the Nuri bus was gone and all that was left was the RD one so there was very few people around it was six o'clock in the evening you know work was over everyone was kind of gone home 
So immediately I said, Chelsea, you need to move. You need to just walk away. So it probably all happened within the space of 20 seconds. But for me, it felt like a lifetime. And then I immediately just didn't even speak back to him. I couldn't. I was just in pure shock and fear. And I genuinely didn't, don't know to this day how I even moved myself. But I just, something inside me just said, move, run. So I went calmly because I didn't want him to know, okay, she's freaking out. I need to make it quicker. So I calmly just walked away and I had my phone in my hand and I rang my mom. But I was trying not to let him know that I was ringing for help. And I was on the phone and I was saying, like, mom, he's he's here. And she was going, what are you on about? Like, who's here? And I was like, no, he's behind me. And I was trying to be ever so calm, but obviously inside I was screaming. And then when I got around the corner to the long walk, because it was the nearest building to me, um, the long walk's mirrored and I could see him coming behind me. So I started picking up pace and he started picking up pace. And then I got in and thank God all the shops were closing obviously because it's closing time for shopping centres and one of it was a charity shop and they were just closing the shutters were starting to go down and I just ran in under them but he didn't follow me in there obviously he knew he couldn't and I went down the back and I was taking a panic attack like I'll say it here like I was and I was in hysterics and the ladies in the shop they couldn't have been nicer but they didn't know what was going on and I you forget that because obviously it's only me that was experiencing it no one else noticed anything out of the ordinary but I you nearly expect them to because you know how scared you are but I explained the situation to the ladies and they went out. They'd closed the shutters and had me down hidden in the back. And he was sitting outside on a bench staring through the doors of the shop waiting on me to come out. So he noticed then the ladies were watching him and obviously he got, well, obviously I was in there telling them he's not stupid. So he went up to back up to the bus station, but he was leaning on the wall watching the entrance because there's only one way in and one way out yes, to the long walk. Yeah, yeah. And he was leaning, he had his chin rested on his hand on the wall and he... um was obviously waiting on me to come out of the shopping centre. And now, bear in mind, everywhere, everyone was gone. The centre was closed. The buses were gone. There was no reason for him to be standing there. So obviously my mum came and the guards came and I told them the whole story and they went up and questioned him. And he said that he was waiting on a bus to a local town. But straight away they knew that was lies because the last bus to that local town had left before the bus had left Newry. So immediately that was warning signs. And then anyway, that day he was released with warnings, you know, don't go near this girl again, don't contact her, leave her alone. So that was fine. Obviously, that took its toll on me big time because I never expected it to escalate to the way it did. And like I would have watched programmes and, you know, on Netflix and everything about people who get followed home, people who get stalked. And I would always have said, God, imagine that doesn't happen in this country, but it does happen. And when you're in that moment, you don't even realise it was afterwards when I went home that evening and I sat and I said, oh my God, like that just happened. Because it's something that it just, there's no words for it. It happened. He's warned. He obviously leaves the scene then, goes back. Yeah. He's living in the Newry area, yes. He, we, where was he living? Mm. Um, he was, yeah, he was in Newry. North of the border yes. anyway, he's living. Yes. We can say that. Yeah. Did it stop then? Was that the end of it? I wish that was the end of it. D- did, no. did you did you stay with the job in the buttercream no, or what? so after this happened, then I was advised to leave my job. Obviously, I was leaving it anyway because no way was I going back up there yeah. after that happening. So I left my job completely, didn't even work with her in the marshes, completely left the business for fear that he had found out who I was through the business. So then I wasn't allowed up to Newry at all across the border. I was literally going from my house to college and home. Like I wasn't... Mm. Even venturing out, I wasn't doing anything. Obviously, because I was constantly looking around me and jumpy and like, God love, there was people that come up behind me and I'd be running a mile because you're just so afraid and you've just such a fear that he was going to show up again. 
So then about three weeks later, I was getting ready to go out with my friends from college and I was all ready to go in my dress and everything. And my phone started pinging like mad. And I was going, God, who's messaging me at this time? But I picked up my phone. One of the boys actually handed it to me and I picked it up and it was just this name and it was liked your post, liked your post, commented on your post on Instagram. And I was going, oh, God only knows who it is. It's probably someone I know. So I went on and I clicked into it and clicked into the profile itself. But beforehand, I seen a comment on one of my pictures was pretty girl, which is what he called me. And that's the only things he ever said. He always ended it with pretty girl. So straight away, I was going, no, it can't be like, Jesus, it's three weeks since that happened. He hardly found me on social media. And then when I clicked into the page, the first photo that popped up was his face. So it was his Instagram account. So... It wasn't physical anymore. He wasn't around you. But, but he was he, still getting to He me. had you. Yes. He had you on social yeah. media. He'd located you. Yeah. And there he was. Stay with us on Late Lunch. I want to take a short break. Miss Ireland Chelsea Farrell is telling us her story of being stalked. There's more to come. Back in a moment. Chelsea, this fella now is on to you on Instagram. Yes. So yeah. what happens then? Is he sending you shocking messages? He wasn't really sending me messages direct. He was commenting on my pictures and liking them, which was nearly worse because everyone could see that. So he was commenting pretty girl and my princess on my photos, which was what he called me. So then he messaged my little brother which was a step too far from my point of view because obviously he'd done that much research over the three weeks between following me home and messaging me. He'd done all his research. So he was on to this for three weeks straight to the point that he found my little brother on social media as well, which would have been so hard to find because he'd no followers. He was only, like his account was private and everything. So how he found him, we still don't know. But the social media end of it then, obviously that was so dangerous because I didn't know, well, does he know where I am now? Because I had stories up of me heading out. Does mm. he know where I'm going? Does he know who I'm with? So I immediately was straight on to my mom and straight up to the police station, give my statement and straight away the police were brilliant. They straight away went out to arrest him because obviously this is dangerous. They didn't expect him to strike again and he did. So then when they went to find him, they couldn't. He was gone on the missing list. And to cut a long story short, he went missing for two weeks. And we didn't know where he was, who he was with. I literally was under lock and key, couldn't leave my house, couldn't go out, couldn't do anything because nobody knew where he was or when he was going to strike again. Because obviously he got me to Instagram, which meant I was still in his head and he still knew what he wanted. And he was the type of person that he didn't see the wrong in what he was doing. He seen what he wanted and he would have gotten through anything to get there. So then two weeks later, we got a phone call to let us know that he had been arrested, thank God, and he was immediately sent to prison. So he was taken to court and in prison. Yes, uh, yeah. It wasn't a particularly long sentence he got. No, he got 10 months, but because he was in on remand, he every day counts as two days. So he actually only served five months, which for something like that is ridiculous because, you know, like it's such a dangerous thing. And yes, I know, thank God I got out of it safe and I got out of it the other end but not everyone is that lucky and to have someone like him yes 10 months is long but for me to be told okay well he's out now because five, it's really five months I was going that's not very fair for but those months that you knew he was in yeah you had peace of I had mind peace of mind yes and you then, felt safe again yeah because I knew he wasn't around he was off the streets when you heard that that sentence had been reduced and he was out yeah, did did your mindset change? My mind just went all over the place again. The fear kicks in because he's out. He's out and about again. And I'm still here, obviously. He's done his ter- his time for me. So I was going like, what if he he's going to just strike again? So yes, the fear was back. The anxiety was back. Everything. It was just my head was in absolute overdrive. But, you know, you have to just... Obviously, I didn't want him 
to ruin everything and ruin me completely so I didn't let it but he was deported from the north because obviously it started in the north he did his time in the north and he was released in the north so he was deported from Northern Ireland which means that he is now currently living in the south. So you know that he's living in this jurisdiction at this stage. Yes, which is the scariest part for me because obviously I live in the south and he, I'm sure he knows that too. This is something else. Like, yeah. you don't know how shocked I am to, to learn of this. And I'm sure our listeners are and people in general. You are Miss Ireland. Yeah, I know. You've been here with me, uh, you know, when you were Miss yeah, Loud, you stories, came back. Yeah. Miss Ireland, the happiness we've had here. And you're still a very happy and upbeat. I know this person. Yeah. But Chelsea, you carry this with you. Yeah. but And you me, carry this with you still every day. I do. Is it yes. in your mind? Do you know what? Something like that will never go away. Like it's something that I'm always going to have to live with. But thank God there was someone on that bus with me that day. Because if I had have gotten off at the top of an old country road, I wouldn't be here to tell my story. But thank God I got off at a public place and I had somewhere to go and I had help there for me. But, you know... It will always be in the back of my mind, even when I'm travelling on my own. Like, I'm going to London now on my own and God love my the two boys that are over me. They were panicking even the other day. They were going, God, will you be OK? But I will be because I've learned how to deal with it. Like, I'm aware that there's people like that out there now. And I know, like, I shouldn't have went through it to be aware of it. But I'm glad now that I know that they are right there and I know how to watch out and how to judge people's behaviour and... I'm more cautious when I'm out and about and I'm more like I'll watch who's around me and if I walk into a room I look to see who's there beforehand so I think that's how I'm getting through it because I know how to deal with it. And but you, you shouldn't have to I be know, like exactly, this. Exactly and it's horrible and I hope to God no one else ever goes through it and that's the whole point of this like my message now is to get out there to all young girls and older girls like and boys as well because it obviously happens with boys as well so my message is to just be so careful and when you're travelling on your own don't get off in desolate places always get off at public places and just be aware of who's around you at all times because you just do not know like I never expected things like this to go on in Ireland because you hear about them in America and Thailand and places and I was actually following a girl at the time who was going through it in Thailand and for me I was going like I never imagined it to happen in Ireland but it does there is people like that out there and there's people Mm. like that in our country and we have to be so so careful especially when you're on your own and if I can get a message out to anyone especially girls in particular do not walk home on your own especially on nights out always bring someone with you don't do anything solo because that's where the danger happens and that's where people like him will notice that you're on your own and that you're vulnerable you're a young person and that's when disasters happen so I admire you so much for talking about this you could easily have kept this to yourself not talked about it and not brought it into the public domain as you did through your Instagram account just the other evening and coming on here today I'm sure it's not easy and you've spoken so powerfully about what has happened to you and I know the reaction since social media only in the last few days has been huge yeah but for me I thought I felt it was selfish for me to hold that in and not tell people my experience because mm-hmm. at the end of the day me going through it and coming out the other side will help somebody else like I'm sure there's plenty like I know myself from messages I've gotten on social media since there is girls going through it and there's boys going through it that were afraid to speak up that were afraid to go about it because they thought they were overreacting and I from me releasing my story I have given them the courage to go and speak and to go and tell the guards and to go and tell their families and that was the whole point of this for me was to tell people you're not on your own there is support there for you and you will get through it. 
If you're affected by anything we're talking about or if it's happened to you, do get in touch with us. 086-1800-658 by text or WhatsApp or you can call in 1850-715-958 or across social media. There's a message just come in there. 2086-1800-658. What is wrong with this country? That man should have been deported back to wherever he came from and red flagged to never let him back again. And that is a very good point. And I I want to to add to that. If somebody is uh, convicted of of, of stalking, if somebody is convicted of a sex offence ever, shouldn't it be the case that we are informed because these people can just, you mentioned he is living in this state now. Perhaps he's in a community that don't know him or don't know his background. That is just a given, in my opinion. I agree Oh, my word. Oh, my word. Let's finish this on a positive <laughs> note, can we? Yes, I want we to can, finish yes. on a positive because you're such a positive young woman. I know. That's Thank what's you. gotten me through with the positivity. I know that. Yeah. I know that. Thank you for coming and oh, telling this welcome. the story to us on Thank late lunch today. Thank you for letting today. me get my of things, Not at all. A couple of things I wanted to mention to you. Um, funky fashion, frolics, Tankardstown. You had a great night. Yes, absolutely amazing. It was a brilliant night. It was a huge success as well, which was the best. And you night. were judging. I was. I was judging best dressed, yeah. First time I've ever judged it too. You see these yeah. doors and all over, and then I spotted you in Sligo. That yeah. was some show in the Sligo. The Sligo fashion show was incredible. I'm absolutely honoured to have been a part of it. And um, we actually broke the world record for the most models on a catwalk. So we had 459 models all together, which was incredible. And it was all for Sligo Cancer Care, um, Sligo Rovers, and Sligo All Stars. So the charities were absolutely amazing as well. And the night itself was just incredible. Yes, and I know that from the soccer point of view for Sligo Rovers, they're, they're at the heartbeat of the yes, town over yeah. there and they, of course, align with the charities and you raise a whole lot of money. Yes. You have a thought in your head, you're thinking of doing something. Yeah, can I, I say that? You, no, you it's, can't. It, it, it's, <laughs> no, I do. I have big plans for yeah, when okay. I come back from Miss World for my own charity event and I'm so, so excited to do it, but I'm sure you'll all be hearing a lot more we'll about that when I We'll be hearing more about that at the time. What did you want to say about Mobster? I have that so on yes, my notes actually, here. Yes, actually, I do. Um, so... This year, obviously I'm going on to Miss World. I'm heading over there now in November and I'm competing as Miss Ireland in December. But at the minute we have, I've set up my account on Mobster. So Mobster is the app that works alongside Miss World to choose the winner of Miss Multimedia, which will bring you straight into the top 20. So my section is up, so I'm posting now every single day. But if everyone could download the app and swipe right to vote on each post. So Every post, every person will get a vote on each and then the person with the most votes wins and gets straight into the top 20. Come on, let's get behind <laughs> Yeah, so let's get all of Chelsea. Ireland behind us. Let's and get, get behind this woman and get her right in there <laughs> that she's assured of being in the final shake-up. Listen, I'll probably see you the way we're going before yes, December. Yes, probably. December. <laughs> I love this chair. <laughs> I know you do. Anyway, 14th of December is the Miss yes, World final. Is, yeah. We'll be talking before that, I'm sure. But for the moment, once again, Chelsea Farrell. Thank you so oh, much for thank joining me. Thank you for having me. me. Thank you. I realised that I was lucky to have played on teams with so many great players and to have won so much. Along with my first All-Ireland, being on the team of the millennium was probably the highest honour I could get. I wouldn't have been one to sit down and think about what I've won, but now I've a bit of time I can do that. I wasn't a flashy player or one who was in the limelight much. I took my football seriously, maybe too seriously at times, and kept the head down. The words of Martin O'Connell. Three All-Irelands, six Leinsters, three leagues, four All-Stars, captain of Mead, what more can you say? The new book is called Royal Blood, the autobiography, and it's ghosted by our very own David Sheehan. And the men in question are in the hot seats on late lunch today. Martin and David, you're welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Thank you both for joining me. Can I say straight up to both of you? 
great, great job. I finished the book last night. And you know, Martin, I was saying to you here a moment ago, David was in Gallivant and elsewhere, by the way. I was saying to you that it brought me back. It was, I was living those halcyon days. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that you got that out of it. Um, look, it was a great time for me at football that time when I was playing, um, we were at the top four game and uh, it was just, it was just fantastic, you know. Um, everybody feared us. We seemed to just win games as, no one's in the dead of a raise, but we galloped through Leinster and we got to a Leinster final and played Dublin was always a bounce of a ball in it. But that was really our biggest rivals was Dublin. We never really worried about anybody else. Got to a Leinster final to play Dublin. It was, as I say, a hop of the ball here or there, you know. Mm. And lucky enough it came our way most of the time. It certainly did, more than most of the time. David Sheehan, congratulations to both of you again and to you especially. This is your first uh, wander down this type of road. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, we were talking off air again, I mean, how, it's, how it all started. Carl Irvin, formerly of this parish, of course, moved on to, to bigger and more difficult things probably since then. But Carl got on to me in, in January, February and said, Liam Hayes is looking for your number in relation to a project is it okay if I pass it on to him I said absolutely you know any time Liam Hayes comes calling you know you're not going to you're not going to turn it down so spoke to Liam and he said look I have a project in mind about a, f- a former Mead footballer would you be interested in, in taking it on and he told me it was Martin and I sort of said to him well of course I'd, I'd love to but I've never done anything like this before I've, I've written newspaper articles and, and you know various different things down the years but taking on a book is a is a much bigger project and a much more difficult thing to do but uh, Liam kind of put my mind at ease and I kind of showed him some of my previous work so he was happy enough that I'd be able to do it and he sort of just said to me look just break it down like a lot of small articles you know now I think he was he was underselling it a little <laughs> bit there but um, you know 80, 80 odd thousand words or whatever it is that's a lot of a lot of articles to put together but it actually it came together I have to say I was sort of surprised in terms of how, how I won't say easy it was with a lot of work but it was quite a smooth process, I thought, altogether. So, yeah, it's, it's great to have it done and to, to get it into my hands the other evening was a special moment, you know. Any truth in the rumour that Samantha thinks she has a fourth child <laughs> at this stage in the family, no? Well, I mean, you know, I have to say that they made me very welcome. I was over in the house probably twice a week for, for two months, I'd say every Saturday morning and, and a good few Wednesday evenings. So, yeah, Samantha, the, the tea and biscuits were always at, at the ready, so I have to thank her for that. <laughs> there was no, no lay-ins of a Saturday morning when I was for about two or three months. Oh, well, you would have been used to that in your career. Career, well, no lions ever. Yeah. <laughs> Look, the, the book is, is fascinating, as I say, and heartwarming. And, and in a way, the end is at the beginning of the book because you open up talking about your retirement. And, you know, it really got me because it really was like a death for you when your inter-county career ended. It was, Jerry. Yeah, for some reason, just one of these fellas that, that took football very serious. And um, when I was at it, playing and training um, you think you're going to do this for the rest of your life and all of a sudden um, when you have to pack it up for some reason uh, it was like a death in the family I have to say I, I really missed it and even at this day going up to Crow Park to see the boys playing now I'd still love to be part of it but um, unfortunately that's that's never going to happen again but that's the way I took it Jerry. a lot of fellas probably that retired before me didn't take it as bad as I would have had and uh, that's just the person I was I loved every bit of it I loved training loved playing football and as I said I was lucky to to win what I won mm. and without a great team and without a great manager so um, as you say just to to, 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 um, to give it up it was it was tough and, to and you get that from it David as well that you know you had played your last game but you hankered to be called again and Sean in a way and I'm going to mention Sean Boylan and you you just love that man I, I, I know that from the book but 
I'd say he found it as difficult to let you down easy. Do you know what I mean when it yeah. comes to the end? Yeah, absolutely. It was hard on Sean too. It was just, I had a back injury back in 97, just before the Leinster final. And um, unfortunately, I couldn't play that day. And then I tried to get back in 98. But Sean was really, he was very, very strong and very knowledgeable about injuries and he probably just didn't want to risk me even though I was back playing club football yes. and playing reasonably well but there is a difference in club and county and Sean maybe felt look at it mightn't be just the case to get back playing county and that's just the way that's what happened and it probably was hard on Sean to say mm. I won't say say goodbye but just to, to say that you're, we don't need you anymore or whatever mm. so um, yeah, that, that's the way Sean was you know yeah Um you tested many fields in terms of your off-field f- pursuits. I mean, your job and your career. Farmer, joiner, mechanic, builder. I, I think you'd have stayed at the building, would you, but for the recession? Yeah, that, that was way back in, mm. what was, 83 or 4 or something mm. like that. And, um, yeah, just for, for some reason, the recession, we were bombing away with work. We were working up in a, in a big place up in Rusk in Dublin, or Rush, I think it was in Dublin. Mm. And um, one Friday evening, uh, the builder came out and said that we were finished here, and that was that was basically it. Spent maybe four or five months in the building, and was making a, a good few bob at the time, which was a lot of money that time. And then uh, it stopped, and uh, went back then and started butchering. Sam Black. Sam Black was the butcher. There's a yeah, landmark for you now in Navin. That's right, yeah. Inya went there as an apprentice. God, there was a big shock when it came to the old Spondulux, wasn't there? There was that time, yeah. You were, from, I won't say mention what it is. It's probably in the book when I mentioned it, rather than I mentioned it on air. But, um, yeah, there was a bit. And that wasn't probably Sam's fault. But I probably should have went to Sam and really mm. told him what I really wanted. But that was never going to happen. But um, that's just the way it was that time. You know, mm. I was on a, on a light few pounds. And I always give my mother some of it to save. And I could really never spend it. it was that it was a right view pub at the time and then mm. you had to go back down to nearly quarter of what I was making there yeah. with Sam but that was a going rate that time as, a, as, a, as an apprentice butcher you know but you became be nice a celebrity you became a celebrity in that shop because I, of your footballing exploits and you do say I will say you give Sam great credit because you were able to work the football in with the work yeah I was yeah yeah. before that I was a joiner in Kells mm. and all this and all these job mechanic and then this butchering came and I got it and in fairness to Sam and, and, and Thomasine was the wife um, they looked after me really well no matter when there was training or days playing football or training of a Saturday which would have been your busy days Friday and Saturday and I might have been training or go away for a weekend and there was no problem with them at all it was, mm. it was good but Sam had his head screwed on you know he wasn't <laughs> going to say no to me you know? oh he <laughs> knew what he had as well I can tell you David Sheehan I'll tell you something that really surprised me about this man and whether it did you you probably knew this being a big fan of me the football this fella never played in the county jersey till he played minor Mm. He never played like in the other other yeah. underage teams. Isn't that surprising? Um, it did a little bit. I, I I probably wasn't aware of that. I mean, there's. I mean, if you look back through me teams down the years, though, there there is a history of lads who never played underage for me who went on to play senior football I think Evan Kelly is one who didn't play as far as I recall underage with Mead mm. there's been a few down the years and of course as well as that Sean has had a record of, of pulling lads from I won't say obscurity because obviously Martin was a well known club footballer but he wouldn't have any issue with lads who played junior club football intermediate club yes. football and that was you know as Martin would probably admit to that was a, a big part of Mead's success as well the <coughs> fact that there were lads from you know, a lot of people listening would probably say North Mead clubs were the backbone of a lot of a lot of the county, <laughs> county, county teams. Be down careful, years. be careful. Well, you know, and this is what we hear now that this is the problem. That there aren't enough North Mead lads in yeah. the team. But but Sean would have picked lads 
And I don't think, and again, Martin would probably back this up, I don't think Sean would have had any prejudice against the lad because he didn't play, you know, he didn't have a stellar underage yes. career. If he saw you playing in an intermediate club game out in Castletown on a Saturday night and you were given as good as he got, that would be probably good enough for him. So I think that was probably, you know, maybe part of the reason for the Mead team's success over the years that they, they, they put pulled lads from everywhere, regardless of their pedigree, if you wanted to say that, mm. you know. The man who put the green and gold on your back was our very own Matty Kerrigan. What a legend he is! You yeah. have you have wonderful praise in the book yeah. for Matty. Yeah, Matty was that time was was the minor manager. I think for a few years before I came on the scene, and um, he was absolutely excellent. He was he was great. Um, he had success. I think with Summerhill playing with Summerhill, then them times the early seventies, I think, or middle seventies, and then he got this job as minor. But he was he was excellent. He was very very good. Not unlike Sean. A little bit of professionalism in when Sean took over the senior team, and I was kind of used to Matty, and all of a sudden you had Sean coming in the door too, if I like. But Matty was Matty was very very good, I have to say, and he gave me a chance, and uh, lucky enough it worked out for me. You know, the rest is history. Yeah, Minor ma- into senior within like you just progressed into the senior team, and you know yeah. what I wanted to say to you, the O'Byrne Cup. People say, "What are you talking about?" The O'Byrne Cup, Carton Rays in the air. You write about the Auburn Cup 83 for Mead. How significant that was. That's hard to fathom. Yeah, it was big, a big thing. It was a... We were... We were in 82. We were in the Leinster. Was it the first round of the Championship in 82 or 83? I'm not mm. sure. But then the Auburn Cup was a big thing because Mead had won nothing for so long. And I remember Sean always said that we'll, we'll treat this um, Auburn Cup really seriously and, and try and go on and win it. And I still think to this day that that really started us to win things. From 83, we won the Auburn Cup and then 84 was the Centenary Cup. That no one will ever win again. That, that no one will ever win again. forevermore. Yeah, yeah, and we've just Centenary Cup medals. There's only 15 or 20 of them. I have one of them, lucky enough. But um, Sean really put a lot into the, into the Auburn Cup and we won it. And then the Centenary Followed. Cup came. Then, then we got to a Leinster final yeah. for the first time in, in long time in 84 and got beaten. And that kind of started the team The momentum going. was on yeah. its way. But definitely the Auburn Cup was a huge, was a huge thing. I'll never forget Mick Lyons many moons ago saying to me that the 86 Leinster, when he has won Leinster yeah. that year, Lyons said to me that he'll never forget the roar of the crowd that day and that for him, you know, you mentioned the O'Born Cup, but really, Meath came of age that day. In, 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 in 86? Yes. Yeah, that was the first one in, yeah. what, in 17 oh, years my or whatever God, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Would yeah, you have you. felt, had you similar feelings about that or memories? Well, I, I think, I probably would, Jerry, because I, I think um, Dublin, that were very dominant. They were, they were winning mm. and they were the team in Leinster and we struggled to beat them. Like, the beat us in 84, the beat us in 83, I think they were beating us in 82. No, I didn't beat us in 82. I'm just not sure. Yeah. I remember Wexford or Longford beat us in 80 and 81, but Dublin was the team and Dublin was the team to beat. And we beat them nine points to seven on a spilling wet day. And it was huge to, to get to, to get one over them. And that kind of started the ball rolling in Leinster with us to, to go on and we won, what, 87... You know, oh, will you stop? Yes, yes, what the dubsy are day? Yes, what the dubsy are day? Yes, won everything in sight, which was which was good and which was oh, great. You know, fantastic. fantastic. Yeah, Martin might as well come back with a bang. Why did you quit the panel in '87? <laughs> oh, <shame. laughs> um, I just thought I wasn't being played in the right position for 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 some reason. Um, before that, we we had was six or seven selectors, and then Sean brought in two selectors and himself. So there was three there. And uh, it was just games that I was playing, and I was playing the wing half forward, and, and uh, thought I was doing reasonably well. And uh, one day down in Gaul, we were playing the quarterfinal of the of the league. Took me off at half time, and I just said, "It's time I got out of here." Just 
had no really I won't say interest but just lost we preferred to play left half was playing left half back right up from 84 till nearly 87 yes and uh, for some reason I wasn't being played there and I suppose look, I could have got the got the hump and walked away for some reason so that's what i done listen you know. we've all got the hump in our <laughs> lives and, and, and you know but listen the hump didn't last too long because it, you were back I was and thank God and it was probably I regret said it in the book I regret what i done but at the time you know a little bit of maybe pig ignorance or whatever you want to call it I just left and um, Sean rang me back about four or five weeks later to come back in on the panel and uh, and, and was that was it. it, and that was it. Hey, you but know. it was a bit frosty when you returned. It was a bit frosty, but um, yeah, Jerry McEntee was <laughs> one of them, and uh, I've mentioned Andy Book as well. I hope he forgives me for this, but maybe he was right. He probably was right to play. Probably a lot of other players felt the same way, but Jerry, being Jerry, would come straight up, and that's the way he operated. And uh, I'd have no crams with it at all. If I was in the same boots as Jerry, I probably would have done the same. But, but, he, um, but, but he was frosty for not for a few weeks was. or a few months. <laughs> the reconciliation didn't happen until the All Ireland final win in '88. Yeah, yeah. Then he came to you, didn't then he? he? So you got him out of jail. Did he, yeah. David? Yeah. Well, Jerry was Jerry was on the line after about six minutes. So uh, and Martin won man of the match. So, yeah. so O'Connell got McIntyre yeah. out of jail. You yeah. heard it exclusively on late yeah. lunch. But this I, I always, I mentioned book. I always say that look, and only I came back, we'd have won nothing. You know, so that's. <laughs> That's my case. Do you know the other thing that uh, surprised me about you? You say that you became more nervous before big games as time went on, and yet you would think that experience brings assuredness and calmness. Mm. No, that's just the way it was. I was very nervous. I'm even nervous talking to you, Jerry. Today doesn't strike Um, me. But no, I also I think it was very. It was always good to be a bit nervous, and that's the way I was. Um, I was kind of kind of a superstitious. Fella as well, I used to do things. If I if I washed the car or whatever I done, we say this Sunday I do the same next Sunday, and that's just the way I was. But nerves, I was a bit nervous all all the time, mm. not overly, but a good. And I think it's a good thing to have a little bit of nerves. It actually is. They even talk about that in, in our game, as you know, David. That you need to feel that little bit in the tummy you need a few before you in the kick tummy, in yeah. here yeah. and away you go. Absolutely. Now look, I don't have to mention the year, but once. Uh, 1990, the loss to Cork was painful, but 1991, mm. those yeah. four games with Dublin. Yeah, I mean, I was at a couple of those games. I think I wasn't at the f- I wasn't at the third or fourth game. I remember listening to the third game on the radio, and then the fourth game was the Saturday game that was on the television, which was an unusual situation at that time to have a game on the TV full stop, but certainly to have one on a Saturday. I think it was the same day as the Wimbledon ladies final, if I remember rightly. These things that stick in your mind, but that game was just... Um, I suppose for any Mead fan that remembers those days like that Kevin Foley goal and then David Beggy's point just after it and the scenes at the end Jack Sheedy had a free late on to, to level it up which was a mile out but he made a fair fist of hitting it over but um, just didn't quite make it but like that that year in itself obviously it ended badly but that those four games against Dublin were just like anyone that, that was around at that time as a Mead supporter just would never forget them it was just incredible and I don't think we'll ever see anything like that again The way you describe the move in the game for the score as well I just was with you all the way it's brilliant and the other thing that David mentioned there must have been such a disappointment after coming out of that titanic struggle and going all the way and losing that final to down is that a big disappointment still in your life if, look Jerry, it is it probably is one of the we lost in 1990 to Cork and there was a bit of rivalry with Cork mm-hmm. and down but we played 10 games that year in 91 the four against Dublin and two against Wicklow and so on and so on and we struggled probably nearly in, in a lot of them we were struggling probably two or three of the Dublin matches we struggled against Wicklow went to a replay we played reasonably okay. I think it was against Leach and Lens. I final struggle against Roscommon. 
and came up again down in the final. Um, huge losses that day was was Colm up in sick and Bob O'Malley broke his leg in the Leinster final. They were two huge losses. We were 11 points down, Colm comes on, got back to two. And I still think that this day, referee blew short. Um, but look, you'll have to congratulate down. I know it's 25 years, well, yeah. more, whatever length of time it is now. And I think any team gets 11 points ahead of you probably should deserve to win it. But it was devastating, I have to say. To, 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 to fall at the last fence was, 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 it was shocking, actually. Oh, but was the down people... Yeah, and they, know, they were happy with that. They you know? have some record in finals, Dan. I think they've won every time they've been in a the, final, didn't they? they? Only, the the last, the last twenty ten. Yeah, yeah, first, that, 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 that ended. First, that was the yeah. first time. They, but they, down were a great team, ah, Jerry. That terrific, them, that's, yeah. that's mm. super forwards, and mm. and 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 they were they took a lot of watching. But maybe we went into that game a little bit, um, little bit cocky, maybe. But the two boys I mentioned there earlier, Colin Morrock and Bob O'Malley, was they were they were huge losses to us, and I still yeah. maintain if we had them. You'd have probably, probably won that one as yeah, well. It would have been, it would have been, mm. it would have been a brilliant one to win, you know. Oh, 1992 was a massive year. You got married to Samantha, and the headline said goodbye, Sam. Hello, Samantha. And are. the wedding happened in the off season. You know the way football rules. Yeah, don't that's have it. to tell you that. Yeah, do I? that's right. It happened in. It was actually 91. We got married. It was, was the, it? Yeah. two or three weeks after the um, all the end of 91. Yes. yes, but that's the way a lot of lads when we were with our partners that got married after football because yeah. football. We put football first. We never. Got, I always maintained, I always thought we would get that fa- that far all the time. That's the way how confident I was. So we decided we'd get married in October when the football would be over. Oh my and, God. And I was uh, right. Uh, you were right, that's right. Oh my God, Jerry, you're bringing me back to the great days in Mead football and listening to a legend like Martin just brought me down memory lane. We could do it, him and a few more like him again round this juncture that comes in from Kevin Coogan in Navin this afternoon to you keep the comments coming 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text now after that you know you, the 94 league win and you felt me there on the return coming back didn't happen in the championship but in 96 that was your final All-Ireland yes in the 96 Six, yeah can I say these words we as murdered Mayo we <laughs> murdered Mayo <laughs> Can I say yeah, that? Yeah, it'll be always remembered for a mother, all right, I suppose. <laughs> um, the, um, it'll be always remembered for that, for the, for the that bit of a, a ball. Yes, yeah. um, as I, I said in the book, it just all happened around me, right on the edge of the square where I was there, and I never got a belt. I never gave anybody a belt. <laughs> and it just all happened over my head. Uh, and I remember talking to the umpire, Francie McMahon, he used to work with uh, Man of Farm Chickens. He was a, a, lorry, a lorry driver for them. And um, we had a great chat. We were talking about chickens and ham and asked him what was happening and all the rest while this fighting was going on. And I really, honestly, I have to say, I'd never seen a bit of it until i seen it on the television. What really happened. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. so it was just one of those, one of those things. things. And it's part of And past. unfortunately, it'd be, it'll be always remembered yes, for, I, I, for that. I know. Know. But look, at you won and you lived we won with Sam Maguire. And then we're back to where we started in the interview your career was winding down with a back injury and how you felt about that. You say in the book you bemoan me football's regression and, and you say it's down to the underage structures. Yeah. Um, that time, when I was growing up, there wasn't as much emphasis put on underage. I, I, I don't think there was. I never played under 14 or under 16 with me. Lucky enough, Matty Carey came over to Mead Miners. I was, got involved there. But I don't think there was a lot being done. Now, I think there is. There has been a good bit being done, I think, all over the county and all over a lot of counties. But we're still a good bit away from, from the likes of these Dublin boys that are producing all these players. But we, we had a great run with, with Mead on the 17s. I was involved. Yes. Got to a Leinster final, got to an All-Ireland semi-final. But I, I think, Jerry, that 
when they come to that age, 17, and, and that's the end of them, there's nothing else done with them. And I think there should be something done with them for a, till they come 18, 19, them two or three years after. So the 17, crucial 18, years. They're the crucial years in my, in my eyes. That year, we got to the All-Ireland semi-final against Tyrone, had a great bunch of lads. I remember saying that some of the, the, the people in, 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 in Dungani and in, in the county board, we'll have to keep these boys together, we'll have to do something. But unfortunately, it never happened. You know, a few have come through, but I always maintain there should be a lot more. I think the ratio, I think, is two, but this should be this should be eight or ten, and well capable. We had eight or ten, well capable of yeah. progressing. Now maybe Andy is in there now for another term. Might just see like he's brought Shane Walsh in, who was on part of that panel mm. with us. So he might bring a few more of them in. They'll be 19 now, which I think that's the way to go. Last Are you 19. listening in the Royal County to the man that has the uh, the authority from his career and his winnings to tell you what he believes and let you know how he feels about it? Look, But the, there is great hope going is, on. And I wouldn't said be, that absolutely, yeah, Good year would, this year for me. Progress made. Yeah. And let's hope that continues. Absolutely. And there's great hope being done with the underage as well. We absolutely. Last year as well. So we're, we're, we're getting there, hopefully. Today on Late Lunch, you've been listening to a legend, Martin O'Connell. His new autobiography is called Royal Blood. Brilliant, David Sheehan, let me say. Congratulations to you for your first time. You'll be back, I promise you. (laughs) We'll see. Anyway, you've got a taster of what's going to happen this evening in the Headford Arms. The book has been launched at what time? Uh, Well, half seven is the start time, so myself, Martin and Liam Hayes will be be doing a bit of talking and then Sean Boyle and Guest of Honour will be uh, saying a few words and maybe uh, sharing a few stories with Martin. Maybe he'll reveal a bit more about when he walked off the panel. But we'll <laughs> no, he probably will. He just might. The book will be on sale and then they'll let you know it's available. It'll, It'll be, be available, available yeah. We'll let you know where that, so, that is here on LMFM Radio. an open radio. invitation. So whoever open invitation to tonight. Trying to, to, trying to rent a crowd out here. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to rent for the moment. Congratulations again. Royal Blood, the autobiography, Martin O'Connell. Martin, David Sheehan, thank you for joining me on the show. Thanks, Thanks very much, Jerry. Thank you. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors annual sales event now. On. The 2019 Renault Clio and Capture have never been so affordable with no deposit required. Call in today and save thousands at Blackstone Motors, Drogheda and Dundalk. If you're like me and can't put a screw or a nail into the wall or at best maybe change a bulb, have you ever been at home and thinking, I need a curtain rail hung, I need something done with a door, I need a job in the house completed and you're looking for somebody and you can't get them? Well, I believe help is at hand and we're going to hear about it for the next while. HiredHelp.ie was just launched this week and joining me on the show is James Sharkey and Ken DC. You're both very welcome, gentlemen. Thank you for joining me today. James, you're the CEO of this new company. Tell us, first of all, what's the idea? You know, you heard what I said there. Am I the type of client you're looking for? Yeah, well, thanks for having us, first of all, Jerry. Um, you're totally the t- type that we're looking for. What, what we're trying to do, essentially, is is to create a platform that builds an online community connecting two different users. So the person that you, you're looking for to, hi- to hang your curtain and, um, and the person that wants to hang the curtain um, in exchange for extra money. Essentially, that's what it is. So you'll bring us together. Is that the idea? I'm on this, and it's an app, isn't it? It's this an app, this yeah. is an app, and the app is called Hired Help. It is, yeah. So I say, say I need a job done. I go in and I register my details. Is that the idea? That's correct, yeah. You create your profile. And I say, say I have a job in mind today. I, I put in there what I'm looking for. Yes. So you've got, you got two options, basically. You can either post a job, yeah. um, which is what you're looking for and what you're willing to pay for that job. Or you can go in and search 
for the, a particular user who is doing that job okay. and pay them by the hourly rate that they set. Okay, so you have two options. Two you options. either pay and do the transaction through you yeah. or directly with the other person. Through the, through the app as well. Through the app as well. Yeah. And if I'm somebody who will hang cotton rails, I'm, a, I'm handy, I can do jobs around the house. I am a, a qualified person as well. Yeah. I can go in and register as well, say what I am. Of course you can. Yeah, I know you're a keen gardener, Jerry. Yeah. So, um, you oh, God, I never <laughs> thought of that. You could potentially sign up. So you, a, a bit of cash on the side from your DJing. You could sign up as a gardener and go around and help people do their gardens. OK, so it's, it's a two-way process and the community come together and meet in there and you can see what's what. Um, do I have to pay up front? Come on in here. They're the financial man is with us, Ken. Yes, you do have to pay up front, but the money is actually not released until you, the job is done to your satisfaction. So ah. when you agree what you want to do, you pay the money, it's taken and it's held. The person comes to your house or property, hangs your curtains. If you're happy how the curtains are hung in the app you press, job completed, and only then is the money released. You've answered a very important question because that's one that would many people would say, you know, how yes. am I assured sh- yeah. that the job will be a good one? Yeah. Is there any... Go on, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, well, there's two things. When you, the helpers sign on to the app, they leave their details. So you get an email to say, this person is coming. You can actually have their picture. You have their details. If the wrong person comes to your door, you can say, sorry, you're not who I booked. And you just go into the app and say, not satisfied, wrong person came, the money's refunded to you. If the quality of the work is not done right, there's arbitration and the money can be refunded to you. Okay, so there is a safety, a security thing there in case anyone, you know, today you can't be too careful, of course, of who comes to your door. So that's that's a reassuring feature as well. The other thing is the bona fides of, of people who become... Uh, One is a user, what did you say the other was? So you've got a hirer and you've got a helper. A hirer, yes. You know people who say... I, I, I garden. How good am I? Yep. What's my bona fides? Do you guys check that out? Or do, you, do you just accept people on face value? So at, at the instance, we, you, you, when you sign up, you create your profile. So in order to get a verified profile, so you get that Twitter tick, um, you have to provide us with a certain amount of details. So be it your um, proof of address, your ID, and then we're moving into accrediting, um, say, electricians um, and so on. So at that stage, you will have a verified profile. So someone be able to say, yes, this person is ticked, their details are checked. Then it's a user base. So whenever you come to do my garden, I then leave you a review. review. So if you get a five-star review, then it gives other people that the instance that you've done a good job. And obviously, if there's chances in there, somebody that's not up to it, within a very short space of time, they're outed and they'll be gone. And you have that ability to remove and yep, kick yep, people yep. out of this. Yes, yeah. Yep. We've got we've got full oversight of all jobs posted. Anyone requesting, so if anyone's up to any naughtiness in the in the app, we can take it off straight away. Where did this idea come to you from? Are you replicating something? Is it elsewhere, or did it, was it just a eureka moment? It was. It was kind of. Basically, when I was driving from RD down to Dublin every day, you, you basically are at the house for 12 hours a day, 13 hours a day. And then your weekend is literally consumed with doing housework, gardening, everything else that everyone has to do. And I just thought to myself, there must be something out there that I could possibly get in a bit of help on a Friday. So when I come home, the house is clean. So I'm not spending all day on a Saturday cleaning it. And there just wasn't. Um, anyone that I spoke to friends wise that had a cleaner or had some um, gardening assistance, they were all booked 
book solid. You couldn't get them off them. Um, so I just thought to myself, it started thinking, OK, well, I need a cleaner. Let's look at cleaning focused. But then when I started talking to more people, it was like, well, I actually need a plumber. I actually need someone, um, a better handyman. I need someone to deliver some goods here, there and everywhere, like um, a man with a van. So then I just thought, well, let's just roll it all in together. And at, to date, we've got 53 categories on the app that you could sign up for and search for. Um, and it will only only grow whenever we know, understand what the users want. You mentioned that commute. I'm sure you're happy that you're not <laughs> making that 13-hour <laughs> round trip or whatever each day. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of people out there that do it, Jerry, and I, and I don't feel for them at all. And, and, and you know, uh, you do what you say there is right. You've actually, you know, I sort of had a stereotypical doors, windows, you know, that type of thing. But you're after mentioning a, an array of areas there, cleaning, yeah. gardening, you know, anything to do with a service that you need in your house. Yeah, if you, if you can think about it from cleaning to accounting to upcycling furniture, for instance, everything else is in there. So we, we launched last week um, on a soft launch and we we're launching around Lothar Meath um, because obviously I'm, I'm living in RD and Ken's out in Leytown. But we've got 25 helpers on board so far in the space of a week and we've got 51 hirers on board as well. And out of the 25 helpers, we've got nine different categories already signed up. And that's anything from a chef to dog walking to pet grooming, anything you can imagine, cleaning, babysitting's even in there. (laughs) My God, this is endless. It it really is when you think of the services that we require, different life stages as well in our lives. Yeah. It's tremendous. What about, Ken, to come back to you, the whole aspect of paying, invoicing, tax requirements and that? How will that work? Well, basically, I said people will pay the money up front. It will be released um, when a job is done. It is extra income, so it is going to be down to people to declare it themselves. Okay, so that's the issue with that there. That must be looked after by yourself. Yes. Yeah, if you're an income... yeah, yeah, yeah. Take but, her. but then what we also have to remember is we, we are offering the service that on the app there will be a category for accountants. So if you need to do a, a year end review, then again, go back to the app and you've of got course. your accountant. You get the link there as well. Tax yeah. Advice there. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you, you were in Drogheda Leisure uh, oh, as manager for a time. Where have you been in the interim before you decided to go your own way? This is your own business now. This is the future, yes. Yeah, yeah, this is the future, yep. So before this, I was in recruitment, uh, technology recruitment um, in Dublin. So we, we basically recruited for the NHS nurses. So that took me all over the, all over the shop trying to recruit nurses for these guys. And um, the, like I say, the commute itself was just too much and I just yes. couldn't handle it. Mm. What about you, Ken? What's your story, your background? I worked for the people who make bubble wrap. All right. So I travelled the world uh, working in packaging for food and plastics. And I, a bit like James, got fed up with the commute. Um, The travelling was taking a massive toll on my personal life. So I've stepped off that and I'm helping James out as best I can now uh, with this. So I'm taking my business experience from around the world and trying to convert it into hired help and making that grow and be successful mm. the writing could be on the wall for bubble wrap <laughs> extinction rebellion or rebellion are on your case boys i think i picked a good time to get out <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think you 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 actually did so in ireland are you unique we are unique in the fact that you can directly book via the app 
there is an there is a multitude of um, smaller apps or web based services that you can only post. So Facebook, for instance, could potentially be a a competition because people post on there, recommend me a plumber, recommend me a tailor, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it, that's not exchanging the full service. We're offering the complete package from start to finish. I, uh, go on. Sorry, I think the difference here is, as James said, people at the moment can post something and they'll get emails back saying, I can do it. They have to search through their emails. They might get two, they might get 20. With this app, you can actually go in and you can put when you want the job done or you can look at the helper's availability and book a slot. So you've got that clear visibility that it's tailor-made for the helper who... Might be someone maybe who's taken some time off to raise their family, but they have a skill and they could post on there that they could do some work. It could be HR advice. It could be accounting. It could be tax advice. It could be gardening. It could be anything. And likewise, the helper could be or sorry, the hire could be on the train into Dublin and they could actually be searching through the jobs that they're doing on their house and actually booking the slots. It's all done in one go rather than having to post five different items and go through all the emails. It's the convenience that we're trying oh, to Oh, I see the benefits. I, I certainly do. And the other thing is, when you mention an appointment time, please, yes, be on time. Come when you say. Because, you know, in this game, with a lot of uh, people in the trades, time doesn't really count. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 100%. And plus, what we, we thought of that as well. And as soon as you do book somebody and the process has started, then inside the app, a messenger service opens. So if, if I am running late um, to come to see you, I can say, oh, Jerry, I'm running five, ten minutes late within the app. So everything's confined within it. Um, you, you're not changing numbers. You're not um, moving outside of the app. It's just everything's within the app. So it's, it's a perfect stop. I really like it. Hired help. Hired That's help. the app. You can just download that for free. You can download that for free from iOS and Android. So Apple and Google Play Store. It's really fascinating and I think you're onto something big here and lots of people will cheer today when they hear what's on the horizon. Download it. Hired help. I'll be downloading it myself this evening, I promise you. For the moment, thank you to Ken, DC and James Sharkey. Wish you luck with the new business. Thanks for joining us Jerry, on the show. Jerry, thank you very thank much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Friday afternoon, late lunch, LMFM radio. Let's look ahead to the big fixtures of the weekend in sport with the communications manager of Boyle Sports, Leon Blanche. Leon, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks for joining us. Well, let's begin this evening with the League of Ireland and it's a huge night for Drogheda United. Massive night for Drogheda United. Yes, the first leg of the playoff. Uh, they're away first, which I don't think is a bad thing. And they play Cabin Teeley. Um Drogheda still favourites, 7-5 to get the victory away from home. Kevin Teeley are 7-4 and of course the draw here is 23-10. I think from a Drogheda United perspective, uh, you want to definitely keep the tie alive in terms of coming back um, for the home leg, the second leg at home. And I'd be happy with a score draw here. I think Drogheda are, are well capable of at least getting a share of the spoils. They finished ahead of Cabantili in the table. And I see no reason why over these two legs that Drogheda shouldn't be strong enough to see off Cabantili. I wouldn't be backing them at 7-5, to five, however, away from home in this first leg because it's not a winner-takes-all tonight. We do have that second leg to come. So for me, a draw at 23-10 to 10 would be where I'd be sitting. And I think that would be a good result for Drogheda. It would give them plenty of confidence going into that home second leg. Yes, and we'll be looking forward to that a week today. Now let's switch to Rugby Union and it's do or die time for the boys in green because Ireland play New Zealand, the All Blacks, tomorrow in the World Cup quarter final. It's a huge ask, Leon. 
Look, it's a massive ask, Jerry. I think when we spoke about the World Cup, we were all hoping, of course, that Ireland would top their pool and play a quarter final against South Africa. However, that hasn't transpired. We didn't deserve to beat Japan, so we only deserve to finish second, and that's what we've got. Now, however, New Zealand are the one to five favourites, Ireland are four to one. In three of the last meetings between these two sides, Ireland have been victorious twice. And I think Joe Schmidt from his starting 15, the likes of Rob Kearney, the likes of O'Mahony, and even Jacob Stockdale, who, of course, was tremendous last year. He hasn't had the best of World Cups, but Joe has stuck with him. I think these players are going to want to repay their manager's fate. Um, Ireland are the 12-point underdog. It's Ireland plus 12 at even money. New Zealand minus 12 at even money. Look, it's going to be a big ask. I'm hoping and praying, and maybe my heart is ruling my head, just thinking that these players have got one huge performance in them. The 4-1, to one, as I said, to win the match. So that tells you all you need to know about that particular game. New Zealand are favourites to win the Rugby World Cup at 6-5. to five. It's going to be a tough ask, Jerry. but if anyone can, the boys in green can. And here's hoping they can pull off a little bit of a shock and make it through to their first ever semi-final. Let's flip back to soccer before we finish. And the Premier League is back after the international break. And there's one fixture just jumps off the page. It's Manchester United against unbeaten Liverpool. How fortunes have changed. Yeah, how fortunes have changed. You're 100% right. However, looking at this particular game, look, I'm a Liverpool fan. And this worries me that Liverpool are going in as the 7-10 to favourite, seven to ten on favourites. Um Manchester United are four to one. When have you ever seen Man United as big as four to one at home to Liverpool and the draw here is three to one. As you said, Liverpool are eight from eight. They're eight points clear at the top of the Premier League. Manchester United have only got nine points from possible twenty four. So they need a much improved performance. There's no Pogba, there's no De Gea. So you would say all the signs are that Liverpool should win, but this is a derby. This is probably the biggest game in the calendar. Man United against Liverpool, the two most successful sides ever in England. I'm hoping, with my Liverpool hat on, that they can get a victory at Old Trafford. But it won't be easy, and I just have a feeling United might be able to squeeze something out of this game. And the draw at 3-1 to one stands out to me as being too big. I think the likes of probably Salah should be past fit. I know Alisson is back fit. Matip is back fit. It looks as if Jurgen Klopp is going to have almost a full squad of players to choose from. But as I said, Jerry, 3-1, to one, it's too big for the draw. And I think Man United, their fans will be up for it. And this could kickstart all each season. So for me, I'm going to sit on the fence and share with the spoils at Old Trafford. Thanks a million, Leon. All the best, Jerry. Yes, the uh, sporting weekend beginning this evening with Drogheda at Cabin Teeley in the first round of the League of Ireland playoff promotion game. Winners to take on Finn Harps. Good luck to the Drogs in that one. They're back a week tonight in Drogheda for the second leg. Now, the brand new Puka Halloween Festival brings fiery processions, free spectacular illuminations, feasting, mischief, and music, including Jerry Fish, David Keenan, Cormac, and the Irish Chamber Orchestra, and lots more to Drogheda, Athboy, and Trim from Thursday. October 31st to Saturday, November 2nd. For more details and a full list of spooky events, see pukafestival.com. I have a pair of tickets to give away for Jerry Fish. He's at Trim Castle on October 31st from 8 o'clock. And I also have a pair for the Breaking Tunes Night. That's on the 1st of November, also in Trim Castle. And there's three fantastic homegrown bands there really making waves. Just Mustard, Pillow Queens and AEK Mac. So 
pair of tickets for each up for grabs and late lunch this afternoon. Check out all the details on pukafestival.com. Here's the question for the tickets. On what date does Halloween fall? On what date does Halloween fall? Send your answer straight away, please, to WhatsApp or text 086-1800-658. On late lunch this Friday, let's head for some news and sport at three. Jim Campion's been on to us to say, why was that guy released, Jerry? He should have been deported, yes, talking about Chelsea Farrell stalker. And Jim, many people echoing what you're saying this afternoon, that the law isn't strong enough, it's too easy, they're released out into society. Um, Jerry, thank God those boys have electricians. You're laughing, Louise. I'm waiting two years for one. I think that's brilliant. The poor man in the dark. I, I love it, I love it. That's hardhelp.ie. Other people saying, what about people who are in their senior years who can't use technology or the apps? I do understand that. Maybe... Uh, a little bit of a disadvantage there but I'll tell you one thing you can learn technology at any age you know this yourself Louise oh, loads of people have gone back and learned as well so get up to speed on the, the uh, technology stakes and, I'm uh, sure they've relatives that yeah, will be more than willing to help you'll be surprised how easy of it, it is if I can master aspects of it <laughs> I can assure you anybody can but many people welcoming uh, the uh, new app Hired Help uh, and uh, downloading it I'm sure as we speak now, the Puka Festival competition, Louise, who's won the tickets? Uh, well done to Patricia Dempsey. Uh, she's off to Jerry Fish. And Liz O'Dowd is off to Breaking Tunes. Yeah, that Breaking Tunes night, uh, Just Mustard, Pillow Queens and AEK Mac. And if you want to find out more about Puka Festival, it's happening over the Halloween, pukafestival.com. And of course, Halloween, the question was, what date does it fall on? It is the 31st of October. Our next guest, Louise, she's a miracle, isn't she? She's amazing. We'll say no more. She's a miracle. Stay with us on Late Lunch. My next guest on Late Lunch this Friday is a miracle. You see, 21 years ago, Angel Queen and weighed just £3.12 ounces when born. Boy, has she grown. And this weekend, the beauty therapist from Ashburn is hoping to take a giant step into the world of modelling as she competes in the final of Miss Bikini Ireland. Angel, you're very welcome to Late Lunch. Back to the time when you were born at £3.12. ounces. Of course, you don't remember any of that time. No. <laughs> but what has your mum told you? So basically, um, I was just a really, really small baby. Um, I weighed no more than really a bag of sugar. Um, so I was absolutely <laughs> tiny. And that's kind of how my name came about. Um, I was really, really sick um, when I was born and I was brought into the intensive care unit. So um, my mum was also a little bit sick when she had me as well. So my mum couldn't see me for a couple of days. So the nurses were kind of just updating her, saying your little angel's getting better and your little angel's progressing. And the name just sort of stuck after that then. It just suited, it suited. The nurses actually gave you your name? Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. (laughs) So that's how the name kind of all came about. When you think of, of, of babies of that size, and so many have survived, yeah. you know, and, and lived to thrive in their lives as well, it is so tiny. So you pick up and uh, you start to put on weight and your mum gets better and... And life goes on. Life goes on. It's <laughs> as simple as that. You say that you've always been playing catch-up. Does that come from being born so small? It does, yeah. I've always been been very... um had very dainty features. Um, I've always been quite thin growing up. 
Um, and I did always feel like I was playing catch up in the sense that like I always had to wear clothes um, that were quite small. I always had to shop in the kids section. I still shop in the kids section, actually, <laughs> uh, which isn't a bad complaint now. I'd say there's but- lots of girls <laughs> would love to be able to do that. But when I was um, younger, it was a little bit hard growing up, like because I did used to get slagged a lot for my weight. Um, people did used to say quite nasty comments um, and that did affect me. Also, I kind of found what affected me um, the most was the adults. Um, a lot of adults would comment on my weight. Um, a couple of my friends' parents would also comment. And I know kids can be mean. You can kind of overlook that because kids say mean things. But when adults say it and they're meant to be kind of role models, um, it is kind of, it is soul destroying, you know. Hurting. It is, it mm. is. It can, it can be quite hurting. But you're a resilient woman. I am. I am indeed. And I'm here to kind of put more of a positive yes. light, light on it all. I understand that. Um, you filled out, though, in your late teens. I have. In my late teens, I did. Yeah, I have filled out. And now I am really confident with my body and really confident in myself. So I'm kind of talking for the people that, like, may feel like they're not, they're not, um, yes. feel like they're, they're thin and may feel like they don't have much confidence you know and you do overcome it and you do kind of you will gain weight and you will feel a bit better after time now a name like angel may i say it's a beautiful name and i have to tell listeners you tell them tell them where you work so i work in heaven Hold on a minute. An angel in heaven. <laughs> an angel in heaven, yeah. <laughs> Do you get that a lot? Do you know I when you answer that the a phone? Lot. I get that all the time. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> so And heaven is in Ashburn. Heaven is in Ashburn. Heaven's where I work in the beauticians. Um so when I answer the phone I'd say to people, Hello, this is Angel. Um this year through to heaven and when I'm directing them I have to tell them that you go past the church <laughs> and then you park in behind the undertakers like come on people just think I'm having them on and then I introduce myself as angel okay. so yeah okay but it, 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 it is a beautiful name now you've entered the uh, Miss Bikini Ireland competition I have yeah. why? the reason why I entered it is because I seen it advertised about three years ago and I it was I always had it in the back of my head. It's always something that I wanted to do. But as I said, I just didn't feel confident enough. So I've gained a lot of confidence in the last two years. And this year, I just I just felt like it was the right year for me. How do you go about entering? Is it just an online entry? And what do you have to do? Yeah, so you enter online mm. and then you have to get accepted. And then you have to go through um, an interview after that then. And then they pick you. And then you have a couple of workshops as well. You have to go attend a couple of workshops um, and photo shoots. And then you also get sent out tasks um, to promote different things. So they're kind of judging you on how efficient you are. And kind of like when you're thinking outside the box and you're, you're doing different things. And um, they kind of judge you on... Um, how you pose and how you stand and how you carry yourself as a person. So they judge on a lot of different things. Mm. But um, the reason why I entered it also is because there's no height restrictions. Um, you can have tattoos. Um, you can be a mom. Um, they're they're very open. You know, you don't have to be that stereotypical type of model. Yes. So everyone is different, and they kind of accept everyone. Because you said I don't have the attributes of a conventional yeah, model, exactly. and that was the appeal of this as, as well to you. Yeah. You have tattoos. I do. I have a lot of tattoos. <laughs> yeah. I have a lot. I'm, I'm obsessed. I'm addicted to tattoos. I'll admit it. When did you get your first one? My first one um, was actually when I was 16. 
I was quite young. Mm. And you've had more added since. I have a lot more added since. Are, are, are you done now? Is this no? It? What? No, I'll never be done. I'll never be done. And 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 what's the idea in the tattoos? Why do you want more? Um, I kind of just knew from a young age. Um. I was always very into tattoos as a young age. I was very drawn to them. Anyone that had tattoos, I was very drawn to them. So I think my mum and dad kind of knew growing up that, oh, she's she's going to be into the old tattoos. Like, So, um, yeah, I find they just give me confidence. Mm. And that's the God honest truth. I find like they just give me confidence. And and do you mind me asking you, yeah. wh- wh- when do you get one done and what's the thinking behind or the theme of the tattoo? Yeah, so when, when you think of getting a tattoo done, you have to be very sure of what you want. And all my tattoos have a lot of meaning behind them um, and they are all planned out um, very well and thought about a lot for a long time and um, wasn't just a spirit of moment um, my tattoo artist um, is amazing she's absolutely brilliant her name is Neve Cunningham and she's a tattoo studio in Ballymun and she's absolutely brilliant I'd highly recommend her and you're happy that these will be with you for the rest of your life I am delighted. I, even when I'm 70, I love them. <laughs> and, 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 and behind them, obviously, is, uh, there are things that are personal to you exactly. and they mean to you. Yeah. I mightn't understand what they are, but you know well what exactly. they're all about. Yeah. Um, this final on uh, the weekend, this coming weekend, Sunday, Sunday is it? Sunday yeah, is the Sunday. final. What, what's involved there? What, what will you have to do on the night? Okay, so basically, when I go in, it'll be starting at around 12 for myself. Um, people won't go there till about half seven but I'll have to be there at 12 and I'll be practicing my walking and they'll show us how the stage is set up and we'll also be shooting for a calendar um, so that will be going on kind of behind the scenes Okay so it's a sort of a full day for you in from midday and, and right for through myself it is, to yeah. the event as well There is a way though of ensuring that you're in the final shake up already isn't there? There is yeah they kind of do um, a top five so how that works is they put on their Miss Bikini page, they put on voting um, on Facebook and now it's on Instagram at the moment. It just went up yesterday on Instagram um, where you like and share um, the person you, you prefer. You share like and share their picture and um, the person that gets the most likes and shares goes straight to the top five. So they have a better chance of winning. So if people go online now, Instagram and where else did you say? And Facebook. And Facebook and look up you. Angel Queenan. Yeah. So they have to go onto the Miss Bikini page. Go onto that one first. It has to be shared for it. Okay, on Instagram or Facebook. From that page, go in, pick you out then. Yeah, see like and share. Like and share. And then they've automatically voted for me. So the more votes you get, and if you get enough, you'll be in the final five guaranteed. Is I'll that be it? In the top five. All yeah. right, great. Come on, let's get voting for Angel Queenan this afternoon. Get in and do your stuff on Instagram and Facebook and do the best you can for her. She really would appreciate it. If you win in Ireland, okay, and you, you pick up the prize, you're heading to the States then, is it? I am. Yeah, mm-hmm. if I did, if I did, if I was lucky enough. Um, so, yeah, you go straight away. It's all very quick and very fast. Um, so it's super exciting and there's there's just so many opportunities, so many opportunities I'd absolutely love to win. Mm. I'd love to win. But even on the topic of not winning, um, even just the experience in itself yes. was amazing. And will this open doors for you? Oh, of course. It's already opened so many doors for me. It's the best decision I've ever made. And one of those doors that has opened is on television because you yeah. are about <laughs> to be featured and I've seen uh, the, the 
teasers for this yeah. new series in RT. It's called Pulling With My Parents. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How does Sabrina feel about this, your mum? So my mum isn't on it. She right. isn't on it. Um, I got picked to go on it um, okay. as someone's date. Ah. So um, from what I can gather from the show, there's um, two daters... And they have their parents pick someone to go on a date with them. Okay. So I was one of the Oh, so that that's your role there. So yeah. oh, I'm sure there's big relief, is there, <laughs> in your household when, when the mammy's not involved. And I do want to mention your gran. She's well known out round the league area. My isn't little she? nanny, yeah. yeah Marie Wall her. is your Marie gran, Wall. isn't she? Yeah. She's we say hello to her this afternoon. Yeah, she's the best in the world. She is my number one supporter. And I your family, I, I know, so are very much behind family, you and yeah, supporting you in this. They have supported me so much. My mom has been amazing. My dad has been amazing. And my little nanny, she's hilarious. <laughs> she's been running around picking bikinis for me and everything. Yeah, she's the best in the world. So you've had a challenging time through life and that, but that's behind you at this stage. Started small, but look where you are today exactly. and look where the that's potential exactly lies it, for yeah. this. Oh my, I wish you well. I really do hope it, it goes well for you. What about all that goes along with this? Of course, for uh, Sunday, you're going to have the tan, the teeth yeah. were being done this yeah, morning, the I believe, morning, the hair, yeah. the nails. All. Do you love that aspect of it? I do. I've always been interested in beauty from a very young age and every aspect of beauty. So, yeah, I definitely enjoyed um, getting my nails done and being pampered and getting getting ready. So, yeah, it's all very exciting. Well, let me say to you, good luck, uh, Angel so Queen, and, uh, at, on uh, Sunday in on the Sunday, final. Yeah. And uh, may you do Only well. Only two days to go. Two days to go. Yeah. That's all there is. Just two to go. I hope you bring back the bacon and win the title. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me on the show today. Really do appreciate it. That's a lot on Late Lunch for another week. Thank you for joining us. Thanks to your listeners, our guests during the week, and to my producer, of course, Louise Walsh. We leave you in the company of the Eurythmics, and this is specially for you. There must be an angel. There's been one on Late Lunch today and one who'll win on Sunday, please, God. See you Monday, half one. Blackstone Motors annual sales event now on. One-off price reductions and special APR finance available during this event. Call in today and save thousands at Blackstone Motors, Drada and Dundalk. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.